1: Well, welcome back, Tuesday, July twenty seventh, twenty twenty one. A delight to have in studio my good friend Lewis Holman, managing uh, director at Insight Analytics, Insight Analytics LLC. Insight is I N C I T E. And uh, his dad uh, is doing some research abroad and will be back with us uh, probably next week. Um, but it is a delight to have you, Lewis, as it always is to see you. By the way, I, I, I was at your wedding last year. I, time moves so fast. That feels, I was going to say, that was. It felt like two months ago. I like, know. It's been eight. It's been nine months, eight months? Yeah. How's it going? It is wonderful. You recommend I, it?
2: I, I truly do. Good
1: good that's the right yeah. answer Mar-
2: marriage and family formation really are in fact lovely things
1: the creation of small civilizations
2: yes. really it it and it's the 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 only way that our species continues yeah. frankly and it's it's a an activity that we seem to have a lot of trouble with as a species yeah. recently you know the the us has been was fairly unique in that my generation actually exists here yeah, we right. have millennials right. But every other major developed country on Earth had a baby dub, a baby bust in the 80s, and their cohort of my generation is about 60 percent smaller, 50 percent smaller than ours. And so they are facing demographic collapse. Interesting.
1: Interesting. We can talk more about that. I didn't know we would. It's fine. I love that's why we have you. Um, you're a polyglot, a policy polyglot. I want to talk to you about the CDC's new rules today. Um, before we do that, let's clear the decks uh, with Hal from Prescott on a conversation I was having last hour vis-a-vis the January 6th commission hearings, or the January 6th select committee hearings, which uh, I know you're familiar with. Hal, you're on with me and Lewis Hallman.
0: Hello, Seth. Hey, thank you for taking the call.
1: Of course. Appreciate it. You bet. Um, By the way, let me yes. start with you a sure. question. You're a doctor. Uh, sure. Delta variant. Do you have any thoughts on it, just you would like the public to know about? What should the public know about the Delta variant? That you don't think they know. Uh,
0: I think the the biggest problem that we have. What I'd like people to know is that when you have a physician, you focus on creating a physician-patient relationship built upon trust
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and mutual respect. Mm -hmm. And public health uh, should build a similar relationship with the public, Mm -hmm. A, a relationship of trust. And uh, so (laughs) that um, so that we trust them and understand that they are doing their best and believe that they're doing their best to help us to keep us safe. And with uh, their their utter lack of communication skills, you know, let's let's assume that they have the best of intentions, Uh, you, you know, but let's but with their lack of communication skills and their inability to retain the trust of the public because they're all over the place. Yeah, you know, if you just they you really just are. Say, Listen. Yeah, no, they mm-hmm. really are. Yeah, let's assume they're they're just telling the truth yeah. in serial fashion. Yeah. but it's going to change, and and the problem is that they didn't thoroughly explain that this is a novel virus. It's going to change, and because we don't know very much about it, our recommendations may change. And and, and that, but that's just part of clear communication. So I I think. Yeah, that's that's the fundamental problem here. Yeah, they, they weren't upfront on their, their
1: ignorance. They just weren't upfront about it. What I'm struck by yeah. actually is uh,
2: that it's not it's not even being upfront. It's it's a matter of intellectual humility in some level, and yes. that this expert class, you know, isn't going to have perfect foresight and information. And if they were only honest with themselves and with us about that, then we would have been spared a lot of the wailing and gnashing of teeth that's come with this.
1: I think that's a great point. I know this in the war context, Hal. And, Lewis, Uh, Corey Dower, I think, was the uh, professor at UNC who did the research when it comes to war. Americans will support a war even with heavy body bag count as long as the mission is clear and communicated. And Clarity. Yeah, yeah, clear and communicated. And that was what was missing here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, brother. I had to ask you. Anyway, uh, you didn't call in on that. Anything you want? No, no.
0: It's a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, the Hinderocker v. (laughs) Liebsen... Uh, Fle. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm afraid that I'm going to have to come down on the side of Leibson. And It's not because you're the host of the show. <laughs> it's okay. because Powerline, just uh, Powerline, as the, the the greatness of Powerline is that they're they're seeking for the truth, yeah. and they did this famously in Rathergate.
1: Uh, yeah, they got rid of Dan Rather, first scalp of the internet, I think. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And they they just they totally bombed the guy. Yeah, got rid of him. He's a liar. And those, and CBS knew they were lying about George Bush's National Guard service and about right. whether or not he lied about going to Vietnam. That's right. So the lesson here is you must always expose the truth. And when it comes to January 6th, we don't know the truth because the oh. vast amounts of information is hidden. This is why the Republicans, and I don't care if they need to go to a, a Motel 6 to do this. They need to hold their own hearings. They need to subpoena people. They need to gather as much information as, problem, as, as possible. Because at some point, they're going to be back in the majority, and then they need to go full force. And it's simply because unanswered frenzy, as you, as you frequently call it, the frenzy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: unanswered frenzy can be countered by the truth, and it must be countered, particularly when something like this is being used by the left to paint every last Republican as some sort of uh, you know enemy of the state. Or as a
1: traitor. Yeah, no. So So, uh, for the audience that may not have heard my suggestion, and I'm not convinced I'm I have a good one, but for Lewis and the rest of the audience, I was saying I was postulating: Would it be a good idea for the Republicans to hold a field hearing wherever they want? As you say, rent out a motel six somewhere, invite the media, obviously uh, the media that will cover it, and invite the media that probably won't. I don't know if they will or wouldn't. And 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 do your own hearing. Do the hearing you would want to do to get to the questions we want to answer. We want answered. And you know, let me throw in an extra measure here. You know, I don't care who organizes it. Maybe Jim Jordan would be the right one, but invite Nancy. Tell Nancy Pelosi if she wants to send three Democrats, they'd be welcome. You know, just to, just to give her the offer and to to show her up. You know, any three you choose, get send them on over. They're, they're welcome to work with us. We'll have a five to three hearing. You know, you can have three Democrats, and they can ask anything they want. I think it wouldn't be a terrible idea, frankly. I I think it's necessary. Okay.
0: Because of the—and it's simply because this, this must not be allowed to stand as a one-sided story. And like you said, it's going to be in the textbooks. And if you open any regular, you know, high school textbook, history textbook, even if they have them anymore, it reads like the editorial page of the New York Times.
1: Absolutely. You know, because
0: all these professors are so liberal.
1: Yep. And so— Go ahead
2: Hal I, I think that the I think your perspective on this is a right one in that in that this ought to be done for sort of that history book perspective. but what I think would happen in the interim very likely is that the entire uh, corporate press and and most of the um, uh, uh, pretty much all of the Democrats and probably a few straggling Republicans will take the opportunity to use the central narrative and pillory these alternate hearings, and that is going to be ugly, and it's going to be messy. But I think that having those hearings as historical artifacts, as evidence, as recordings, so that the narrative is preserved, I think that that is the key issue here.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's the thing. They're going to attack you regardless. If you do nothing, they're going to attack you. If you do something, they're going to attack you. Regardless of what you do, they're going to attack you. You might as well search for the truth,
1: how much? How much? People... How much publicity? <laughs> how much publicity was given when Mitt Romney was discovered to have had a fake Twitter account? A lot. A ton. A ton of making smart of Mitt Romney for having a fake Twitter. How much today did you hear about Joe Biden's fake Twitter? Fake email addresses. Zero. Zero. Mm-hmm. Zero. Yeah. Nothing. That's yeah. what we're dealing. With. You
0: cannot let the narrative stand.
1: Right. Right. I agree with that. I think the narrative has to be there. And I think there is power in people who are, you know, at least occasionally reasonable or open minded to sit down with you when you're in an argument and uh, watch a 12 minute or a 10 minute video. I mean, I literally have had to show Lewis and Hal. I've literally had to show people what Jim Jordan put together. Remember that montage of the riots during that Bill Barr hearing? I've had to show people that who had no concept of it. Younger people, though they were. They got all their news from NSNBC and literally had no idea that there were real race riots in this country last summer. Just didn't know it. Can you believe those people exist? Well, let me tell you something. They do, and they're not a little.
2: It's, the, it's Really, it's the headlines of the mostly peaceful protests with uh, buildings and, and yeah. skylines and flames.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, it's amazing how much we assume the American people know that we know. It's amazing how much we assume it, and it's amazing how wrong we are to assume it
0: agreed and that's the and that's why they have to do this yeah. it's time to not allow the narrative one-sided narrative to stand unanswered yeah for, for all for any of these things I agree with you and uh, so mm-hmm. well uh, Seth you guys have other things to talk about, but I thank you for taking the call.
1: No, Hal, I thank you for all your contributions. Uh, it's been a while. Don't make it so rare, please. Um, we have to hit the break, Lou, but let's cover masks and CDC when we come back. Is that cool with you? Sounds great. And then you had a bunch of other stuff you wanted to bring out, too. I'm looking forward to that. 602 960 if you want to talk to Louis Hallman and myself. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Just one last thing I want to say on January 6th. Feel free for anyone else who wants to raise it or, Lewis, if you have anything more you want to add. But uh, I was watching some of the uh, video um, of Adam Kinzinger and Adam Schiff who were... Uh, engaging in uh, what you might call lacrimal political science, Uh, something along the lines of the more I cry, the more sincere I am and the more seriously you should take me. I have to tell you, when I see political leaders uh, guarded the way they are with the security they have, taking high dungeon over the fact that uh, Something close to what happened to a lot more Americans who aren't given private security and government security apparatuses Uh, touched them that they are finally able to break down and cry over it. Adam Kinzinger told the Capitol Police today he was proud of them. They held the line, and certainly they did, and I'm proud of cops always when they hold the line. Was this an unforgone conclusion, though? I mean, when you have unarmed people, you know, with no organizational leader entering and trespassing on a property illegally against the National Guard that's armed and the police that's armed, was there a question that the line would be held? I I just I, I just I this this ratcheting up of what took place on January 6th. what happened was bad enough the truth will do just fine we don't need to start speaking about thousands of people engaged in an armed insurrection none of those none of those adjectives are true or nouns Anyway, Lewis, if you had a final thought, you're welcome to it. But uh, if we want to move on to the masks, I'm... oh,
2: just that it was—it's very amusing to me to see the people who were crowing about the sanctity of the people's house mm-hmm. have then had then turned it into a fortress for six or eight months. Oh yes, that was that With was no just,
1: credible threat. Right, by the way, that,
2: that was just the bit of irony I found most yeah. delicious about the whole affair. The other bit that do I you quite find,
1: you, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead.
2: The other bit that I quite liked was that we had just endured an entire year of BLM protests protesting the systemic racism and horribleness of America. And then we had one protest wherein Republicans actually marched on the government and suddenly that's not allowed anymore.
1: Yeah. And by the way, since one of the police
2: didn't burn down the bars and businesses of uh, innocent people, they actually did take their umbrage to the source, which I find more respectable.
1: No, well, I take the point, but let's not forget either that um, police precincts, police buildings were taken over and that too is the government. Yes, indeed. And and so, too, is a federal courthouse in Portland that was firebombed for weeks on end.
2: Yes, no cries of domestic terrorism there.
1: Or disruptions of democracy. Hmm. Yeah, interesting that. Lou, the other Lou. Chris, my producer, whose last name is Llewellyn, I call him Lou. Can you give me Joe Biden from not two years ago, not last year. Give me Joe Biden, our president, two months ago. Therefore.
3: If you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Let me
1: repeat. Let me repeat. If you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. So now, Lou, I get tired of counting how many things the government has done 180s on and lurched us from left to right. Uh, You want to do Fauci? Just let's put it all in there. Let's just get it out there. Give me that Fauci thing.
4: People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. Masks are protective. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying Uh, 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 inside uh, there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if in fact you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. (laughs) So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If in fact you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family uh, walking down the street, playing
1: a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. All right. That's the, about the, as much the... fun as I can take. Lewis, you're bursting at the seams.
2: So, so, Seth, it's very clear to me that Dr. Fauci is not lying to the American people. He's, in fact, such a good infectious disease expert that he can hold quantum positions— <laughs> On the same issue, simultaneously taking both the affirmative and the negative. And he is still 100%
1: right. He's
2: just a genius. I don't know how he does it.
1: Yeah, if you bet on A and not A, you're going to win something, right? You know, that that, that ought to work out. Yeah, yeah. So we have him... Being wrong on the masks. We have Joe Biden being wrong on the masks. We have Joe Biden being wrong on the vaccine. A week ago at a town hall hosted by CNN, he said, if you get the vaccine, you won't die from COVID. But we have almost a thousand deaths from COVID or with COVID, the way we count them in this country. Admittedly,
2: it is less likely that you will die if you do get the vaccine. Well, so
1: that's the new thing. They now are shifting. They are now shifting the debate, saying if you are vaccinated, you won't die. But that ends up not being true either
2: less likely would be the better way to say it less
1: likely considerably less likely but but who who right are you less likely to die if you're vaccinated i don't know that that is a great question seth actually
2: and and you're very correct you know when when i say less likely i'm talking about on the whole as a population i'm level thinking sample. maybe
1: 80 year olds and people who are sure. obese uh,
2: absolutely and it may even extend significantly well before that COVID had might, pretty yeah. dire effects you know not only just with the the 75-year-old plus, but it, it did a fair number on the population that was, say, 55-plus. You know, it's not necessarily a horrible idea for those people to get vaccinated. Of now, course. do I think that the government should have the power to compel them to? No, absolutely not. And that is my principal point of opposition here. It's not that I that I even think that, that most people would be badly served by getting a vaccine. I am just dead set against... Every slack-jawed moron with a four-year term coming into office and suddenly deciding that they get to rewrite the entire way that the world works.
1: I'm getting a little tired of my fellow Americans saying you have to do what the government says and it changes its mind every two months.
2: That also is a complete – But they trust the government. Right.
1: They trust it, though it changes every two months and diametrically. I mean these aren't small changes. Do you remember as far back? I mean, so I, there's I think whiplash it, here. I, the I, CDC I, director Robert Redfield last year said the mask may be better than a vaccine. Are we heading in that direction? Or, or is this a way to get over vaccine hesitancy? They are frustrated with vaccine hesitancy. This will contribute to it, but maybe they're going to leave the vaccines behind so, and just put a remasking order on everyone.
2: So here's my question, Seth: Like, if, if this is the pattern we're observing, why are we observing it? Mm-hmm. Why is it that the government has been able to flip-flop so completely, and yet millions and millions of Americans are still following the government? Now Why? You tell me. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I can hazard a few guesses. The first guess I would make is that most people, frankly, don't study issues. They don't. They look for the conclusion. They ask their neighbors how to vote. They ask the, you know uh, uh, the guy at the office who knows politics. They're not studying all of this rigorously and purposefully. So it's easier to outsource the thought to CNN or whoever else.
1: Let me take Ned's call with you on the other side of this break and ask for anyone else who wants to call. I have a lot more to do with you too, Lou. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Can you just take a sip of soda and go, ah? Is that what happened? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-508-0960. Louis Hallman is my in-studio guest. Ned is on the line. Hello, Ned.
3: Hello. Uh it's really nice uh to talk with you and I appreciate you taking my call. Of course, thank you. Um so I'm hoping for some clarity and wisdom regarding the uh vaccine debate because uh we had something really bad happen in our family uh about a week ago when we were having a discussion about it. I was walking on a beach with my wife and my sister-in-law. Uh sister-in-law is extremely liberal. And she'll cram her opinion down your throat. You know, she's one of those. Does she bring up and politics
1: she, if there is no political discussion taking place? Will she inject politics in it?
3: Sometimes, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Will you? No. That's exactly no, what I suspected. No. I, we just uh, we have lives. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead.
3: No, oh no, that's fine. But so we're walking on the beach, and she asked if uh, our son, who's sixteen, had been vaccinated. And we said no. And she said, "Well, you guys are vaccinated, aren't you?" And. I told her no, and uh, she, she you know just got this astonished look. She said, I just can't believe it. I'm shocked, and I, I started to explain to her. I said, well, we have some reservations about it. We're not anti-vaccine people, but it's not FDA fully approved. It hasn't gone through all the steps. My wife had heart surgery last year, and she's concerned about the results that show that there's potential heart inflammation, and my son's a science guy. And he has concerns about the potential for breaking down the RNA in your blood, which um, facilitates mitosis, which will kill you if that breaks down. So all of these things are concerns, and we're waiting for a vaccine that's supposed to come out in September. I can't remember the name of the company. I'm sorry. But um, it's supposedly had much more rigor behind the testing, and it's by a company that actually um, specializes in producing vaccines. Uh, So all of these things weighed into our decision-making process. At that point, she got really emotional and, and told us, Hey, you know, I think you guys are insane. I think you're stupid. I think you're infringing on our rights, which that was the one that really got me. You know, she thinks that we're infringing on people's rights to conduct commerce and go in public and all this. And I, I said, well, wait a minute, if you're vaccinated, why do you care? You know, and that started off a whole big thing. And, so my problem is, number one, how do I talk about this stuff? And the other thing is, is and I didn't initiate the conversation once again, but how do you talk to liberals without having them blow a gasket? Because every time I get baited into a conversation with a liberal about anything related to politics, you'll start talking about your beliefs And then they treat you like you're stupid Mm -hmm. and blow up on you. And Mm -hmm. it's like it happens all the time. I can't Mm -hmm. have a calm conversation Mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. I I, I totally share that that experience. It's very, very difficult now, I think, more so than in recent years, to reach across the aisle and and have these kinds of of conversations. Um, I think the largest point, Ned, at least in my experience, is – establishing why you think what you think. The problem that many people will have is that they they just if they don't if they aren't familiar with what conservatives think or why they think it, then they'll default to the reason they were told we think it, which is because we're evil or stupid. But oh. if you take the time and say, you know, here are some of the reasons I have for not doing it. And here are some of the, the issues I think with about the way that this has been handled. If you can come at it from, hey, this is not coming from a place of ignorance or evil or malice. I'm looking at these, these many, many trade-offs in our society and I'm having to make decisions based on them because she may not be aware of all of the trade-offs that you see. And on the same uh-huh. token, you might not see what the trade-offs are that she's referring to. If you can start to talk about the factors and the hows and whys that are influencing your decisions, rather than what those decisions are, you can start to have a conversation about values and and maybe make some common ground.
1: I think that's certainly one uh, a perfectly reasonable way to think about it, as Lewis said, Ned. I, I think I would try it this way, because I've had any number of these conversations. I don't know if they're successful or not. I'd like to think... The first task, if someone thinks you're a monster, is to get them to think you're not a monster. And then once you accomplish that, maybe you can get them to square one and they can see your point of view. But I'll tell you what my, how I would handle that person when we come back on the other side of this break. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Lewis Hallman. Room for more. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Lipsen Show. Lewis Hallman is my guest. 602 is our number. Portions of this show are brought to you by my friends at Trades Unlimited. For all your roofing needs. I call them my friends because I think of them as my friends. I've been down their warehouse, their offices. I've not gotten to know them. I've used them. My friends have used them. It's a great company for all your roofing needs. Repair, inspection, new, replacement, you name it. Right now they want you to know that if you have a foam roof, it might be time to consider, if you've had it for five years or more, to recode it. Foam roofs are great. They can install them. They can repair them. They can inspect them, too. They're great for reducing noise. They're great for beating the summer heat and insulating your home from that. But, importantly, from water leaks, too. And the summer's a great time to uh, cure those those roofs Uh, but for any roofing need you have trades unlimited is the place to go give them a call at 480-483-1775 a plus rating at the BBB you'll know why if you use them because they're just that good tradesunlimited.com or 480-483-1775 to tell them Seth sent you Ned had a good question how do you talk to lefties progressives or close-minded people, fanatics or zealots. We'll talk about that in a moment Uh, when it comes to any issue, but particularly right now when it comes to the vaccine debate. And Ned, I suppose the way to defang um, an fire on this is to simply say, look, the government right now has approved something you inject into your body on an emergency use basis, on an emergency use basis. You'll forgive me if the decision my doctor and I made wants us to wait just a little bit. Because, A, the government has been wrong about a lot when it comes to COVID. A lot. Including whether you need to mask with a vaccine or not. Including whether a vaccine prevents you from getting COVID or not. Including whether a vaccine prevents you from transmitting COVID or not, including how, what percentage of the American people are needed to reach herd immunity, including any number of things, including the damn source of this disease.
2: I would also add the uh, uh, complication rates from the vaccines themselves have been very high. The next thing I obvious.
1: would say is New York Governor Andrew Cuomo last September said, quote, Frankly, I'm not going to trust the federal government's opinion on the vaccine, and I wouldn't recommend to New Yorkers based on the federal government's opinion. That was Andrew Cuomo last year. Where was your friend last year? How about Joe Biden, September 2020? Quote, let me be clear, I trust vaccines, I trust scientists, but I don't trust Donald Trump at this moment. The American people can't either. Scientific breakthroughs don't care about calendars any more than the virus does. They certainly don't adhere to election cycles. And their timing, their approval and distribution should never, ever be distorted by political considerations. That's when Joe Biden was thinking Trump would have a a vaccine Before the election, then you have the vice president saying, quote, I will say that I would not trust Donald Trump and it would have to be some other source of information that talks about the efficacy of whatever he's talking about. And then, of course, there's Jay Inslee, the Democratic governor of Washington and candidate for president. It doesn't matter when the vaccine happens, but I would have to look at things because Donald Trump is the one person I don't trust. Uh, All of this was about the vaccine when Donald Trump was president. What changed their mind? Joe Biden is trustworthy and Donald Trump isn't. Who's told more lies or at least untruths about the vaccine? Last week, Joe Biden said if you get the vaccine, you can't die of COVID. He's off by a thousand. I think I'd say that. I just want to make the decision between my doctor and myself and not be harassed. Because the government tells you to do something this week that they will tell you next week is no longer true. Sorry. Go ahead, Lou.
2: No, I I think you really have hit the nail on the the head there, Seth, with the uh, uh, sort of the litany of reasons of why we should be skeptical. My only caution, at least, uh, in the spirit that Ned asked the question, would be that if you have the conversation in that way, you're just as likely to present her with an overwhelming load of information. (laughs) She's never encountered before, yeah, that's and true. that she will just dismiss out of hand. You
1: can't, can't fact-dump these conversations. Well, make the point about zealotry, right? Because yeah, so, so here's the issue
2: yeah. with, with zealots, and yeah. it's it's something that I was thinking about in a different context yeah. of climate change. Yeah. But the way that you know you're, you're arguing with a zealot and that it's a waste of your time to keep arguing is if you present them with a viable alternative and they ignore it. The big the – big, uh, uh, Example of this would be rabid lefty environmentalists who are dead set against nuclear power because climate change is a racial solution that needs to be addressed in a way that is uplifting and empowering to the oppressed and hamana hamana. Ch- they've changed the problem of climate change to fit the solution of socialism instead of actually wanting to deal with the issue.
1: Boy, that's a great point. Keep going.
2: And Well, that is the sheer sign that you're dealing with a lunatic mm-hmm. who will not listen to reason. And if you're, 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 I think it was your cousin, I believe, or your sister, if, if, if she is of the, the position where she cannot be swayed, irrespective of the evidence, irrespective of the goodwill, then that's a lost cause. But until you determine that, make the case with compassion. Try to persuade... Do what you can. You know, the way that we we win this argument in the long run is not by closing our doors to all liberals. It's by showing them that while they are led by feckless thieves, Mm. we have the truth on our side and we are willing to use it.
1: I like that, Lewis. I remember uh, the old line of Winston Churchill's, his definition of a fanatic, someone who can't change their mind and refuses to change the subject. That is a
2: very, Isn't that very great. good definition.
1: Isn't that great? But there's this concept. I think it originated in the Catholic Church, but it's now uh, I think you can extrapolate it to almost any sphere. There's this concept of invincible ignorance. I, you're someone who works with numbers and data. You've no doubt had debates with people or arguments or discussions uh, with people who don't agree with you that will accept no facts. That you tell them. I have indeed. Right. We call that invincible ignorance. And if they aren't doing that, I simply say, I simply say at a certain point, I mean, not everyone is capable of having a conversation reasonable and rational and respectable. I would simply say, look, I'll have a conversation, but it's got to require three things that shouldn't be so hard candor, intelligence, and goodwill. Let's work on the candor and goodwill, and we'll get to intelligence. I would just say that. And if they can't do that, Not everyone gets a conversation. We'll be right back. Because I've got you under my skin. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Lewis Holman, thank you for spending your hour with us. Love having you every Tuesday. You want a final thought here?
2: Absolutely. My final thought is on the graveyard of empires that thwarted Alexander about 2,300 years ago and is now thwarting us today. I speak, of course, of Afghanistan. We are now, I believe, set to withdraw officially on September 11th. And over the last year, we have seen record high civilian casualties in Afghanistan since we began uh, keeping track uh, after the the Taliban has started to reclaim much of the country. They currently occupy, as of July 23rd, just over half of all provinces have seized uh, uh, border crossings and are starting to assert themselves again. Why do I bring this up? I bring this up in a year after which we have been dragged by the nose by our leadership because we have no cogent thought, strategy, or plan for how we are going to get through this. There wasn't much of one at the start of the war in Afghanistan, and there wasn't much of one at the start of the COVID pandemic. And so I would really love to see a forum in which our leaders actually thought aloud and told us Where should we be going over the next 10, 15, 20 years? What are we doing here? What is our goal for this region if we're going to be here? And if we're going to keep sacrificing endlessly on the altar of public health, what is it for and where does it end?
1: We could do a lot of conversations and should about endpoints, the the telos, right?
2: Even just, not even endpoints, but uh, uh, just a strategy to get there that we can be part of so that the American people is not hidden from the decision-making and not blindsided by whatever the policy of the week is, moving backwards or forwards.
1: Beautiful. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you all for letting us into your cars, hearts, minds, homes, wherever you go. We love being with you, and we love having you with us. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class dismissed.